Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Praise God. How are you guys tonight? Good. Uh, Mark chapter 2 is where we are going to be tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn there, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2, and we'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, we got some stuff i got to kind of set up before we get there. But we are in the, the middle week of a three-part uh, series on Sabbath. Uh, the, really this idea of, of finding rest uh, for our, our souls and, and finding rest in the design that God has designed rest uh, to be in our lives. And honestly, I love that I get to preach this and really wanted to preach this largely just because of the conviction um, in my own life and the prep in preparing uh, to stand before you guys and deliver God's word and share with you uh, what I see in scripture and, and wisdom. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a cool but really convicting process because this is something that I think we all struggle with. Uh, but just to be transparent, uh, it's certainly something that I, um, man, I do this really badly at times. I just do this idea of rest really badly at times. Um, and my, my sin uh, is ever before me in that. Uh, and so <clears throat> there's a, been a lot of grace in my life too. And, and God has shown me because of some of my tendencies, some really sweet grace that my hope is, uh, is that God will show you and, and use me in that way tonight. But let me throw myself under the bus real quick. Just in, in thinking about this, um, I'm gonna tell you a quick story um, that just I think reveals um, <laughs> I'm unhealthy. Uh, two weeks ago, Two weeks ago, it was a Tuesday, I remember, and it was a Tuesdays are meeting days, man, for us. Tuesdays and Thursdays largely are just meeting days, and they're sweet, but there's just a lot of meetings back to back to back. And I remember I had a 7 a.m. meeting that morning, and then we were just kind of off to the races and just had, you know, kind of cool meeting. It's one of the sweet parts of my job, and some of them are kind of big staff meetings, and some of them are one-on-ones. Uh, I sit in this one meeting on Tuesday with uh, Dr. Ted Kitchens, who's our former senior pastor, Dr. Bill Egner, who is my boss and our executive pastor who can fire me anytime he wants, uh, Dr. Doug Cecil, who's just like the old smart guy on the staff, um, Dr. Cody McQueen, who is our current uh, lead pastor here at Christ Chapel, and I sit in this meeting weekly, and so I'm sitting, and it's kind of like this living room style in, in somebody in one of, one of those guys' office, and so we're all just sitting in chairs and talking through uh, sermon stuff. <clears throat> I go on to other meetings and other meetings and lunch meetings. And 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm walking back to my office from the bathroom. I think I was actually about to go meet with Robert. And I'm walking back and I look down and I'm wearing two different shoes. <laughs> like I'm wearing two totally different shoes, right? One of them was actually this shoe, right? This brown shoe. They were both brown, so give me credit for that. But there was this brown shoe, which is kind of a, a casual loafer here, this brown one, uh, and then from DSW. And then the other one was more of like a boot. It was like a brown boot. It was like kind of shinier and had a pretty thick heel on it. And it was 3.30 in the afternoon. And as I was walking, I realized my shoes don't match. Like they don't even feel similar. Like I was walking like this, like one of them had a heel. And I realized I am tired. 
there is something wrong. And I go back to, and I started replaying all the meetings I was in and meetings with my bosses. And, I, and I'm just thinking either people were just really nice to me or they were just worried about me. They were kind, or they, maybe some of them didn't notice. I would assume maybe a lot of them didn't notice uh, or they thought I was super trendy and they thought this was gonna be a new, a new thing. Um, that was, and that was two weeks ago. And then the sad thing was I came home and I told my wife and I took off my shoes and I changed into some normal shoes and we had some people coming over that night. Uh, and then I lost those two shoes for two weeks. I couldn't find either of those shoes. And so for the last two weeks, I didn't have either pair of shoes accessible to me unless I wanted to do that again on opposite feet, which I didn't. <clears throat> Everything's been resolved now. I've now arrived spiritually. I don't struggle with rest, lack of restlessness anymore, but that two weeks ago I did. Um, and. And it's, it's unhealthy, right? It's, it's unhealthy. We go and go and go. Um, here's the thing, man. The worst case scenario is not like massive fashion mistakes, right? When we go and go, when we run our lives and redline the, the, the busyness of our lives, um, and when we push ourselves to those places, the real worry is not, oh man, I'm gonna embarrass myself at work or I'm gonna slip up and, and say something stupid or I'm gonna wear something. So that's an easy, silly example. Um, the, the fear is that the reality is that we're gonna burn out. The reality is if we continue to live lives in exhaustion, we're, we're living lives in disobedience to God's design and the fear is we're gonna burn out. The fear is we're gonna fall into moral failure. Uh, the reality is that I'm gonna be disconnected from Jesus in the way I'm designed to. The reality is I'm going to get used to being disconnected from Jesus the way I'm actually designed to. And that my disconnection will go on for so long that that will become the normal. That, uh, that I burn up all the serotonin and adrenaline in my brain and I crash into a depression, right? These are the things that if we don't understand God's design for rest and God's design for Sabbath, and we don't repent and we don't go through seasons of repentance and fighting through these ups and downs of learning this stuff, um, then that is what is waiting for us. Uh, not just we wore the wrong shoes one day. Um, and so um, there's so much at stake in this series and I, and I love it and I love um, that there's so much at stake in just what God has for us here. And yet I don't think it gets talked about a lot. And so I'm, I'm proud that we're jumping into it. Um, the reality is we need Sabbath. We're designed for it. We need it. We're designed for it. Um, but we don't leave room for it. We don't leave room for this idea of rest um, and this idea of Sabbath that God has uh, created for us. Josh, last week, uh, really, I thought, started the series really well. If you haven't listened to that sermon, at some point, go back and listen. In fact, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you a real specific challenge. And if you didn't hear last week's sermon, I'd say a part of your challenge is start with going back and, and listening to that sermon and kind of meditating on what I thought he did really masterfully was really unpack the heart of the theology behind what Sabbath is. This idea of stopping, this idea of delighting in God, and this idea of communing with God. That Sabbath isn't just taking a day off, it's stopping delighting in God, communing with God. It's so much deeper, it's so much more beautiful, it's so much richer than that. Um, but we don't leave room for those things. We don't leave room for that kind of rest in our life. Um, is it because we're overfilled? Yes, it's because we're overfilled. It's because we're overfilled to the brim in our life. But I believe the problem is not at the root that we're busy. I believe the problem is that we don't trust. I believe the problem is that we don't trust. We're busy, yes, and that's a problem. But I believe the root issue of that problem 
is actually that I don't trust. My busyness comes from a root that says, I don't really trust God. Let me, let me tell you how that plays out in a few ways. One is that we don't trust he'll provide. Um, so often in, in my life and in the seasons where I look at the busyness that we step into, we, we overfill our lives and it's packed to the brim and we're, man, we're exhausted. Uh, it's not just because, man, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'd love to kind of buy into that narrative. It's that I don't trust that God's going to provide. Here's how that plays out. Maybe it plays out in finances. I don't trust that God is going to provide financially what I think I need, what I want. And so because of that, I don't trust that he's gonna provide. So I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work. I gotta fill every crack and crevice of my schedule so that I can provide for myself because I don't trust. Or maybe even closer to home for some of us is, I don't trust that he's gonna provide relationships. Man, if I'm not at every party, man, FOMO is such a real thing in our culture, right? In our generation. And if I'm not at every party, if I find out there's a social gathering and I might miss that social gathering, that can be paralyzing. I've got to be at everything because I, I need relationships and I need to meet that person and I need to connect with other people. And, and it becomes this exhausting thing that, yes, fills our schedules, but doesn't just fill our schedules because, man, look at all these social events I'm a part of. But at the root issue, it's because I don't trust because I have to put myself in as many of those opportunities as possible because I can't just be still or be alone or be home when I know somebody out there could be having a lot of fun and I might be missing out. Uh, it's a trust issue. It's a trust issue. Um, I mean, I also don't trust at times that he's powerful enough. Uh, I don't trust that he's powerful enough to take care of it. Um, whatever that is in our life, um, so many of us, our busyness comes from uh, this control that we can't let go of. Man, if I don't do it, if I don't fix it, if I don't resolve this situation, if I don't step into it, God can't do this, right? God is there spiritually to pray for him moving in other people's spiritual life. But no, these things I need to do. And that I, I control, control is this catalyst for why I fill my schedule with everything because letting go of control can be so hard. Uh, and, then, and then lastly, this idea of trust being that I don't trust the commands of God are good. I just, he's given me this command. He's called me to rest, to Sabbath. I just don't know that I believe him. I, I mean, I understand, I like him, and I, but so often I believe and trust the things that I want to. I obey what I want to. He commands me to rest and stop and commune with him and delight in him. Yeah, that's great, but nah. I just, I don't know about that. Um, and, and I know that that's an issue because I look at the patterns in my life. And let's be honest, man, we have rebellious hearts. Um, I have a rebellious heart. There is a, um, this is embarrassing. Uh, there is a sign. There is now, they put up those like, um, they're uh, like a speedometer thing that checks your speed. And it's a 30 miles an hour. When you're coming to my house, so when you guys come to visit me, when you're coming to my house, if you're coming south and you turn north up the street, right, right just south of my house, you go up that street and there's on both streets that lead up to my house, there's now this uh, 30 mile an hour speed limit sign that has then, you know, a, a clock that like is pointing at whatever car is on the road and it tells you how fast you're going. You know what I'm talking about, right? So those signs only go up to 14 miles an hour faster than the registered speed limit on the sign. You know how I know that? 
Because every time I am on that street and I see 30 miles an hour, I'm going 34, oh, 38, 42, 44. And then as soon as it gets 15 miles over the, the limit that on the sign, it then goes back to 30. Isn't that awesome? I break the sign. <laughs> the sign that tells me, hey, this is the rule, incites in me a desire to go as fast as possible to get over 15 miles an hour. It's awesome, but it is a wicked, dark sin somewhere in there that, that comes up. So just so you know, next time you see one of those signs, it can't clock you 15 miles over. It regresses back to the actual speed you're supposed to go. So uh, that, that's free for y'all tonight. We have rebellious hearts, right? We just have rebellious hearts. God says, hey, this is my design. This is what I want you to do. I, I'm, I'm asking, I'm telling, I'm commanding, rest, delight in me, stop. No, no, I see that command, but I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna speed up. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And that's so dangerous. Busyness is a problem that comes from a root issue of my lack of trust. Busyness is a problem that comes from a root issue of your lack of trust. And, and let me make a, a quick aside. Man, when we talk about Sabbath and rest and we're gonna talk about simplifying and all kinds of things, and, and my hope tonight in tonight's sermon is we're gonna get real practical. Um, I, I thought Josh did such a good job of really establishing need and really talking about the theology behind Sabbath. And so tonight's gonna be real practical. What might this look like in the rhythm of a week and um, get real specific with that. Um, but one of the things that, that I don't want you to hear me say is, man, our lives should be full, but there's a drastic difference between full and busy. Um, and I think so much of that is rooted on, man, is the fullness of my life not making room for the rest that I'm commanded to have for the Sabbath, for the stopping and the delighting and the communing with God. And if that's the case, well, then this fullness of my life has now just become disobedient. And the root of that, how I fill my life is out of lack of trust, not out of just trying to be a good steward with the life that I've been given. And there's a real difference between those things. And there's a real, uh, an easy to cross line there. Um, in our desire to live life to the fullest and, and leave everything out there on the field, um, but then also live disobediently. So when our design is not met, we crash, right? So what does Sabbath look like practically? Right, that's the question I wanna answer tonight is what really does Sabbath look like practically? Uh, last week, we see that it's stopping. We see that it's uh, delighting. We see that it's communing. What, what's it look like? I don't want us to just... Red line. I want us practically this week. Uh, how do we see that? So, Mark chapter two. Uh, I want to read this story for you and unpack. Um, it's really just this one story we're going to camp out on. And I think uh, what Jesus does is he he um, he steps into the Sabbath in a really sweet way that I want us to not miss. This is what happens in Mark chapter two. Uh, one Sabbath, he Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, which would have been against the rules of the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? A reference back to the Old Testament. When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And then verse 27, and he said to them, 
The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Um, There's so much going on here in this passage. Jesus is obviously going through this field with his disciples and they're doing what is unlawful, which is picking the heads of grain. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do anything that resembles work in the New Testament time because in the Old Testament, they'd been given this law of this is what the Sabbath looks like. And they'd been given this structure uh, of like, here's what it looks like. And from this time of day to this time of day, you can't do any of that. And yet here were the men who were closest to the son of God, his disciples, and they were doing what was unlawful. And so those who follow that law, those who are, I mean, they are legalists in the sense of man, they follow the letter of the law and they knew this is illegal for what what God's law says. And and they think, man, we got you, Jesus. You're trapped. Even your people are disobeying God's law. And Jesus references this Old Testament passage where King David, I mean, he did what was unlawful. He went into this temple and he ate the bread and it was when he was on the run and he did this thing. It's like, wait a second, that, was, that bread was for the priest. You weren't supposed to do that. That was a holy thing. And yet God blessed that and allowed that in those times. And Jesus uses that to make this point of the Sabbath isn't about us. The Sabbath is something not that we have to conform to, the legalism of the Sabbath, but instead the Sabbath is something that God has designed to conform around us. Um, So here's how should the Sabbath look? I wanna spend most of the rest of this time just answering that question. How should the Sabbath look in our life? Real practically, if this is what we need and we we don't wanna redline and we don't wanna burn out and all these, and we wanna be obedient and we wanna stay connected to God, how should it look? Some practical things. And, And right here from this passage, right off the bat, we see that it shouldn't be legalistic, right? That it's not about legalism with the Sabbath. Pharisees didn't get that. Right, the Pharisees didn't get that. They thought, man, this is when the Sabbath begins. This is when it ends. It would have been traditionally on our calendar. What, what is Saturday now? That would have been the, the Hebrew uh, perspective of the Sabbath. And here's what it needs to look like. And they missed the design of the Sabbath. And for them, it had become a box to check. And here we see Jesus starting to deconstruct those boxes and say, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is not the box that we have to fit in. The Sabbath is something that God designed uh, for us, for our design. Um, Now, what does that mean for us? One thing I think it means for us is, man, if we hear a definition of the Sabbath, it's why I love Josh's um, definition last week, but if we hear a definition of the Sabbath that just feels like a formula, right? That just feels like a formula and a bunch of boxes to check and feel like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. And then I think to some degree, Jesus would say, well, is that really what is truly Sabbath for you? Is that truly what rest looks like? Or are you checking boxes because you don't wanna break the law? Um, If we hear a formula of what the Sabbath looks like, then we need to be careful. Um, We need to be careful, but at the same time, uh, sometimes when we reject legalism and we say, okay, well, it's not a legalistic thing, well, then sometimes we're prone to slide all the way to license, which is just, well, if, it's, if Jesus isn't legalistic about it, I guess it's not a big deal. I guess I got a license to not really worry about it. And that's where things get really, really dangerous. And I would say even more so in our culture, we don't live in a culture that is legalistic about the Sabbath, right? Like we do not live in a culture that really, really values the Sabbath. We live in a culture that values overworking. We live in a culture in a culture that values you not taking your vacation days. 
And so because of that, we have to be really cautious. And so there's something else that I think we see out of this, uh, even in just Jesus's words, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that's what should the Sabbath look like? It should look customized. Here's what I mean by that. The Sabbath and you practicing, which our hope is, man, as a, as a flock, we continue to push you guys as a community of people towards putting in practice what, what God has designed, but that it's something that should be customized um, to you, to your life, to be an obedient, a radical obedient practice that works for you, which is hopefully where we'll get tonight. Um, Jesus does that, right? Jesus' men are walking through this field and they're customizing what rest looks like by by not following the letter of the law and not snapping the heads of wheat off and eating them. Um, David, in, in the Old Testament here that Jesus references, he, he customizes this. In our lives, right, if somebody were to say, man, the Sabbath looks like just getting by yourself and going hiking all day. Well, honestly, that might be the perfect thing for somebody who loves that and has, and, but for a mom who's raising maybe three kids, that's totally unrealistic, Right, that's, that's not maybe what is going to be restful for her. And so figuring out what those rhythms look like that are radically obedient to stop and commune and delight in Jesus is super important, but they look different. There's different seasons of work even, right? There's, there's teachers who even in the same, in a teacher in the middle of the star test, her life is going to look very different than that same teacher during the summer. And so we recognize rhythms throughout our day, throughout our vocations, throughout our life, throughout having kids in different ages, throughout relationships. And so we customize um, the Sabbath in, in thoughtful ways for that. Uh, let me, in my attempt to make it more practical, let me take you to another verse um, that's uh, a metaphorical picture of, of this. And I think this is one of my favorite verses, uh, might be familiar uh, to a lot of you guys, but it's in John 15. And in John 15, Jesus has this kind of famous passage that kind of gets overstated a lot of times in Christian circles. Um, but one of the concepts that really Jesus is painting in this picture is this idea of stopping and delighting and communing with God. But he uses this visual of abiding. John 15, in verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus's famous speech in John 15, the night before he is arrested, is a cry and a call to the heartbeat of God's command throughout scripture that we need to stop and rest. He gives this visual illustration of what it looks like to, to uh, rest in this picture of abiding, of a branch connecting to a vine as a, as a picture for us to say, man, I need that. I need to be connected to the source. When I redline it, when I try to just run my life myself, not trusting in the Lord, not trusting in his way, man, I'm not connected to my source. I'm getting no fuel, no nutrition, no growth will happen in my life. And he says, he is the vine, we are the branches. And so this concept of abiding becomes this uh, other picture that we say, okay, what is crate? Customize that to our life, but still 
What is that going to look like in my life? How is that going to play out? Okay, not legalistic, not customized. How does that look? My encouragement for us tonight is that we build a trellis. We want growth in our life. Uh, We want God to grow in our life, and and we see throughout Scripture that, man, growth is going to happen when we're connected, when we're resting in in Christ. Um, And that's going to be organic growth that's going to look different in different people's lives at different rates and different seasons. But still, our call, if you know what a trellis is, is something that you put alongside something that grows organically. And it's structure. It's a structure that maybe you have in a a backyard for a rose bush to grow with structure involved so that it can grow in healthy ways and bushes aren't suffocating themselves in their organic growth. But instead, there's a thoughtful structure behind how things grow and how things abide in a thoughtful way. Um, And so I think the third thing that I want to camp out on is the intentionality. The intentionality that I believe we as good stewards and good disciples should have in creating a plan of how we Sabbath that is highly intentional. Um, my, I, I talk about this a lot with my staff and they are annoyed. I know Robert is really annoyed with me when I talk about it. Um, I talk about uh, Stephen Covey's quadrants a lot. And uh, basically I'm gonna sum it up for you in this way. There's this idea in our life and it's just a metric of how we, how we, function in life, where we've got things that are urgent in our life. There's important, urgent things, and they're not important, urgent things, but the reality is they're both in this category of they are urgent. They're meetings we've got to go to, deadlines we've got to make. The urgent things in our life make up a massive category. And then there's this other category that's things that are important, but they're not urgent. And then there's this other category that's just not important, and not urgent, and that's called waste, right? That's called binge-watching Netflix, right? (laughs) That's just called checking out, vegging, medicating yourself, stepping into whatever coping mechanism you have. We do it, right? Man, that's, for me, it's SportsCenter, right? I will watch multiple episodes of SportsCenter in a row um, when I already know what's happening, right? I already know Luke is gonna dominate. I just wanna see it one more time. But, but it's, this, it's this category of, you know, just withdraw. It's not urgent. It's not important. I just gotta do something mindless. I gotta get on social media. I gotta, I gotta play a game on my phone. I gotta check out, do things that are non-urgent, not important. What happens in our life when we're not intentional is the things that are urgent, especially when we don't have the trust to trust God with with boundaries that we'll talk about here in a second, is they bleed and they bleed and they go and they go. And the things that are important but not urgent, and that's rest. That's spending time with Christ that's so important. That's exercise and sleep and all these things that are important. Well, at some point, sleep becomes urgent because you just fall asleep. But those are those things that, man, these are insanely important things. They are, a, they are connected to the vine. You can't grow without them. But, well, man, if I don't spend time with Jesus today, man, I got a big meeting to prepare for. I got this to do, or I got that to do, or I got something to study for, or, or I got people that I could be hanging out with instead of being alone With Christ, those non-urgent, incredibly important things get crowded by the urgent in our life. And we go and we go and we go and we go and we redline and then we crash into, I got to veg. I got to check out, man. It was a crazy week. It was a crazy test. It was a crazy 
um, meeting. It was a crazy project I worked on. It was a crazy whatever it was. And we go and go and go and go and go. And then we just crash into, I need to veg and check out. And there's nothing restful about that. That's not God's design for rest. Those are just our coping mechanisms. So we're instead called to be highly intentional and make what is important urgent. Uh, Those who might be in serious relationships or married, you might, especially if you were a guy, you might have heard uh, a loved one say to you, I just feel like you're not very intentional with me, right? This is a conviction for me that my sweet wife has, has brought to me every once in a while where, um, and she's so patient with me, um, but brought this realization that, well, man, we're spending time together. Yeah, but I'm just not really intentional with that. And we've been married for 12 and a half years and we kind of know this thing and we know each other and there's this lack of pursuit and this lack of planning and this lack of structured intentionality because it doesn't really feel urgent. We're just hanging out and that becomes this. And that's what, our, that's what happens in our walk with Christ. We just stop being intentional about those times. We stop making time for it. And so my fourth real specific handle I want you guys to, to hang on to with just this idea of what Sabbath looks like is the idea of boundaries. Boundaries. We don't get to Sabbath without them. We cannot be obedient in the world we live in and be able to rest without boundaries and specific boundaries. And that means saying no. It means saying no to people and things. It means saying no to events and projects. It means maybe saying no to ministries and uh, church functions at times. It means saying no to be intentional about what is important. Sabbathing, resting, abiding. I'm a pastor. I, I'm also just a massive sinner, and so I struggle with this. And I put this pressure of like, oh, I'm a pastor. I'm not allowed to say no, and that's a lie. And you guys don't even believe that, and yet I believe that, and I project that on, on people that I'm not allowed to, and um, that's an issue. And we live in a culture where we want to be nice, and we don't want to say no to people so often, and that could be really dangerous. I have hurt way more people that I've said yes to than I've said no to. Way more people have been hurt because I said yes to them than when I said no to people. Then the people who I've had to say no to or say, man, I just don't have the margin or that just isn't gonna fit in in this season of my life or I can't do that. Those people, sure, there might be a level of like, oh man, that's a bummer and I'm disappointed or oh, shoot, man, that kind of lets the air out of the tire a little bit. But man, the people that I've said yes to out of good intentions and then just had nothing to give just had nothing to give and couldn't follow through and couldn't let my yes be yes because of a lack of intentionality, because of a lack of boundaries with how we worked. Uh, I want to I put up something um, that, uh, that I think is about as practical as we can get. And this is just um, one example. And I'm going to give you guys a, a challenge um, to, to do something that is customized to you. Um, <clears throat> but this is just one... <laughs> flawed, imperfect, but it customized works for me. Um, and it's my schedule. And it's kind of how I try to do my schedule. And so I got a picture of it. I love Excel. Um, this is an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, I make these every semester. 
And then my wife at the beginning of the semester has to approve it. Um, uh, and sometimes I feel like I get into the semesters and we never have the approval conversation, I'm gonna be honest, but uh, theoretically she's supposed to approve it. Um, <clears throat> and I'm actually glad, like I, just, like I don't really care that you guys see all the nuances of it, right? Um, but each column, there's seven columns, is a day of the week, right? So for me, the far left there is Sunday. It starts with church and we have a prayer meeting at church. It's sweet. And then I'm either in Converge or I'm at the Aardvark. And then there's meetings after that at Gray. The yellow spots are kind of like open spots that I've had. So if, you know, Samson's like, hey, let's go grab lunch. I'm like, all right, cool. Let me look and, you know, figure out how many people are kind of in that queue and figure out, okay, do I have one of these spots open? Um, Sunday nights, that blue block is kind of leadership stuff that uh, Danielle and I get to do at our house with either college students or, or renovate. Um, and then I want you to pay attention to the black bars. Um, those black bars are man, my time with Jesus, right? So this semester, um, several nights of the week, I go and I tuck Danielle into bed uh, and then I go and I spend time with Jesus because for me, customized, uh, man, my sweetest time of productivity with just hearing from the Lord is at the end of the day um, to be able to just take before him my anxieties, um, and, and put them before him or pray through what has been going on or whatever that looks like. Um, and so, so this is kind of this, honestly, very full. It's about a 60-hour thing, and there's a lot of spots in there that can be really dangerous for me and, and um, really costly at times. And uh, it doesn't always fit. It doesn't always work. Um, but I, I want you to notice Friday, right, the second-to-last column over there, um, that's the gray box says boy time. And that is me and Charlie and Miles, my six-year-old and my three-year-old. And we spend the morning chunk together. And man, it's just us. And we try to keep the TV off and we just hang out or maybe we go somewhere or maybe we go play outside if the weather's okay. And one of the reasons is boy time is because, man, that is a time for Danielle who is on constantly in her role for her to be able to go and rest and be poured into and abide. And then... For me, it's spending the afternoon, spending lunch with Jesus, just not doing sermon prep, not doing ministry work, but being able to just rest and, and have intentional time by, by myself with the Lord. Uh, and then having the rest of Friday, the rest of Saturday, things fill in, right? Basketball games with my six-year-old and... Um, I get to do, in my role, I get to do a lot of weddings, honestly, that are awesome. It's one of my favorite parts of the job, but probably a couple of weekends out of every month, you know, I'll have a wedding. And so I got to figure out, okay, well, what does that look like to make sure that in Friday and Saturday, I'm not just getting alone time. I'm getting to stop and commune with God and delight in him. And I don't just delight in him by myself. I need that stillness, right? I need that stillness, but I also need to be able to worship alongside my family. I also need to be able to go outside with them. I also need to accomplish a project that's, that's worshipful, that doesn't have anything to do with work, right? That, doesn't, that isn't something that I'm just trying to achieve. Um, man, basketball for me, although I'm not very good, basketball for me is a, is a sweet rejuvenation if I'm playing with guys that I like and um, getting to commune with other people and, and those kind of things. And so those two days become these days where, man, I need to make sure that these are days that I'm obedient. And, and honestly, they look different sometimes throughout, throughout the week. If there's a wedding or if there's something going on, um, they look different. This, this Friday, I've got a funeral on Friday morning. And so I've got to realize, okay, I got to be intentional. My Friday morning, I'm driving 45 minutes to a funeral. And so what's that going to look like? And I adjust. Here's why I put that up there. Man. I put that up there as this is a way that I customize it and imperfectly and 
and, and with a lot of areas that constantly need tweaking and improvement and counsel and wise counsel. Um, but what's that look like for you to not just have a day, but to have rhythms where you're beginning your day or you're ending your day or you're taking lunch and then you're having big chunks of time with the Lord and you're doing things that really put you in a place where you're delighting in him? What's that look like? And let me tell you how this always comes together. Let me tell you the first blocks that always have to be on here. Go to the next one. It's these, right? It's these. I've got to spend time with Jesus, right? The black is Jesus, just alone time. Gray down there is date night. Date night is good and worshipful with my wife. You're not allowed to date my wife, but my wife is awesome to date. Highly recommend it. Um, <clears throat> but that's, that's what this, this looks like. And so I, if I don't make them specific, the urgent will bleed over. Thanks, Jeffrey. If I don't make them specific, the, the urgent things will bleed over. If I don't start by setting boundaries around what is really important, what really is gonna put me in a place where I'm, I'm functioning in the rhythm of a week in a way that's abiding and connecting. And that looks different in different seasons and for different people. But to not fight for that intentionality and that customized structure with boundaries and to not start with what is truly important and build out from there is dangerous. So here's my challenge. My challenge for you last week, Josh said, man, practice it. Go practice this idea of stopping and communing and delighting with Jesus. Go practice that. This week, challenge is create a sustainable rhythm. What does a rhythm of rest look like for you that's intentional? Think through, and, and if you didn't hear the sermon last week, start there and start about, okay, well, what does delighting mean? How do I delight? Go back and listen to an entire sermon unpacking that. What's it mean to really commune with God? Go back and listen to that. Whether that's just getting your cup of coffee and sipping it on a porch by yourself, what are those things that stir your affections for Jesus? And build a rhythm of rest throughout your life so that you can be a disciple who follows him in the design that he's created for you. That we don't live our life redlined. That we don't live our life from a constant place of exhaustion. That we learn the balance of what it looks like to live a really full life where we were intentional with everything, including our rest. And when we get out of line, which happens so quickly that we have people that will call us back to it and we'll have structure to say, oh man, I'm out of line here. I've, I've gotten out of this rhythm. This next week, sit down. Maybe it's an Excel spreadsheet. I'll send you mine if you want it. Um, maybe for you, that's not how your brain works at all. And that's crazy weird and intimidating and nerdy. Don't use an Excel spreadsheet. Just journal, man. What are the things that you like? What are the things that stir your affections? Where are those gonna be? And knowing that those are important. And if you end up saying, well, I got three 30-minute quiet times a week, be worried about that. Realize, well, do I really think I'm that strong? Do I really think that I can abide with just kind of these 30-minute quiet times and there's nothing else I'm doing that's restful, that's intaking. So find a rhythm of rest that works uh, for you this next week. I'm gonna end on this, and this is um, probably gonna be, it's gonna be my favorite thing I say tonight. Uh, I don't know what I'm about to say, but I'm gonna say it. Um, <clears throat> you were designed, right? There was a designer, the creator 
There was a creator who designed you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who took uh, clumps of cells and brought them together and DNA and shaped you and formed you and gave you life and gave you a heartbeat and put breath in your lungs. There is a designer and a creator that has shaped you and made you and designed you. That creator is also a father who is good, who loves you, who is saying, come to me and have a relationship with me. The same God that formed cells together to bring you life, this intricate creator is also an intimate father who tonight says, yes, I don't just want you to have a structure and a spreadsheet and put together a good checklist. I want you to come and be known by me and to to know me and to know how I love you. So when we talk about rest, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about going and finding intimacy with the God who knit you together that I get so quickly distracted from and put on the back burner and put on a back shelf and ignore. Your creator says, I'm not just a creator, I'm a father, come and know me. That's what you're fighting for. That's what you're trying to be intentional for. That's what you want to create rhythms of. I want that sweet relationship. And that sweet relationship is possible because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that father said, they're so broken, they can't can't stumble to me. But through Christ, if they put their faith in Christ because of what Christ has done, those who know Christ and have surrendered to Christ, they can come to me and I know them and they are known by me. And if you're in this room and that's never been your story and you've strived and you've tried or you walk out of here with mindfulness techniques or you walk out of here with, I wanna be more disciplined with some time off and some thoughtfulness in my day. It's not about just creating thoughtfulness to where you can inhale and exhale. It's about crawling into the lap of the God of the universe who says, I want a relationship with you. I have something for you in those times. I wanna show you my peace. I want to show you my love and my compassion. I want to show you my heart. That's what we're running towards. And that is possible through the gospel. And so if you've never experienced that, tonight would you not just walk out and think, okay, I'm going to be more diligent in how I manage my time, but would you walk out of here and say, Lord, I need to know you. And for all of us, would we say, man, this is a pursuit of a relationship with the God of the universe. Let me pray for you. Father, would you do what only you could do? Uh, Thank you that you are a God who loves us. Thank you that you are a God who has designed and knit us together. Thank you that we're not just trying to learn disciplines so that we have healthier, more physically capable lives, but we're trying to figure out your rhythms and create disciplines and boundaries and structure because, Father, we want to know you more. We want to experience you more. That's what we're running towards, what the gospel made available to us. And so, Lord, would we approach you tonight with hopefully some practical, thoughtful uh, tools, but more than anything, would we approach you as adopted kids running towards the greatest father they could ever imagine. And, Lord, the awesomeness of who you are Lord, that 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 would uh, humble us, but that that would also draw us so near in sweet worship tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus.
Amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.